0: You're listening to The Itch, Rock Matters, my name is Casey, my name is Dan, and I'm Aaron, and this week we're going to discuss the top 20 albums of 2019. The idea behind
1: this is to kind of introduce everybody to our thought process and how we come up with the list so that we can maybe build up a little bit more of excitement around our 2020 list and also to let you know kind of how we stood for last year's albums. We've
2: talked in almost every episode about kind of how that list is shaping up and as every new release comes out where it may or may not factor in and it kind of got us thinking like hey it'd be fun to go back and listen to what we had last year and uh See if we still feel the same way about it as we did then. And also just to take a break from new releases for a minute, because we have a slew of good ones coming up very shortly and we're going to need to prep ourselves.
1: Yeah, lots of time needed to listen to all the great music that was just released and and obviously some more great stuff on the horizon as well. Mm -hmm.
2: So this week we're working in reverse instead of in the present. (laughs)
1: Living in the
2: past. Yep. So I wasn't actually speaking of the present. I wasn't actually present. Last year, whenever you guys were, were putting your list together, I think I might have texted a few suggestions and said, hey, I kind of like this. What if you want to think about it or, you know, boost it from where you got it on account of an extra vote? A few of these albums that I'm seeing on the list look like they were probably my idea. And that's why they didn't make it very high, because I might have been the only one that liked them. But <laughs> you guys have, have uh, largely done a good job for quite some time now of of compiling and organizing these things collectively every year
1: yeah that's what i wanted to say i mean we've been doing this top well it's been top 20 lists for the last 10 years i think we did top 10 lists for maybe two or three years prior to that but i do feel that me and casey have kind of perfected the way that we've come together with this list in the last three years especially and just and and we honestly we've been on such a the same wavelength but it's not even really been a discussion or a debate as to where everybody lands it's just like i think i had this guy here and and uh and we both would agree So it's it's been really fun.
0: Yeah, and then especially the last two and a half years, we've kind of went on a massive streak of just album after album after album being new and good, and putting it as a flavor each week. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, I agree with that. I think the last couple of years, like you said, almost could have been a top forty list had we had we wanted to do that, but uh, we we wanted to keep it obviously around twenty because. Our radio show is only a three-hour show, so the way that we typically have our format for these top 20 shows is that we will count down the the albums from 20 to 11 and play one song from each album and kind of describe exactly why that album is placed where where we decided to place it. And then from there, we go basically play two songs from albums 6 through 10, three songs from albums 2 through uh, 5. And then if there's time, if there's enough time that allows, we will play either four or five songs from the number one album of the year.
2: We figure that, you know, the best ones deserve the most airtime.
1: Absolutely. And you had kind of mentioned to us, Aaron, that maybe hitting up some of our prior lists and seeing where they hold up. And and I think that's going to be one of the fun things about looking back at this list, because as I was saying off before we started recording, this year has really kind of hindered my music listening ability for one. We're not doing the radio show. So that's three hours less of music that I'm listening to every week, right off the bat. Uh, You know, I am not driving in my car as much as I used to. And that's where I usually did the majority of my music listening uh, throughout my entire life, to be honest, since I've been driving. Um, And so it's, it, It's really interesting to me to kind of go back and listen to these albums and and see if they still hold up. Because I really have not been listening to much music other than the new music that we've been talking about.
0: Yeah. And just, you know, with working from home and not having daycare, I'm sure for you, uh, (laughs) kind of throws a wrench into certain things. Yeah,
1: exactly. Well, and then we moved too, which is funny, because like, you know, we actually used to live farther and I had to drive farther places to take the kids to, to wherever they needed to go. Um, and we moved closer to where preschool is and closer where I work. So it, and actually, even before the pandemic hit um, I was driving a lot less than I was prior to. So yeah, it's, it's my music, like my whole uh, lifestyle of music has changed significantly this year. Yeah.
2: In some ways I'm the opposite, not specifically with listening to music, But with specifically paying more attention to rock, because as I mentioned before, like a lot of times in the past few years, I'm not as familiar with the stuff that you guys are playing. I'm not keeping up as much with the new things, and so I feel a little bit out of the loop. But this year I've had I've intentionally paid much more attention than I had in years past, mostly because of this podcast. And then just because I wanted to get back in the loop. And so I've definitely relied on like, like Spotify's uh, playlist that they make for you based on, you know, your expected taste. And they'll throw you some new tracks here and there. And that's that's a way I've discovered a lot of things. And I had to, but I had to be very intentional about it because it, it wasn't like top of mind most of the time.
1: And I remember that because every time you used to come to the show. You, we'd be like, oh, did you hear this band? You're like, no, I never heard of this band. You're like, oh, we're gonna play some songs from from this band or this band. You you were just like, oh, no, never heard of this song, never heard of this yeah. band.
2: <laughs> you guys were introducing me to bands every couple of months when I was able to make it to a show. It, it, that was the request, like, hey, have you have you heard this? And if I didn't, then we're like, okay, well, that's what we're playing then. <laughs> yeah. So I was still learning things, but I was learning them directly from you guys live on air, and that was cool because then you guys would always try to get the opinion, my opinions about it because you'd already heard it before and it was brand new to me. So that made for some fun times on air too.
0: Yeah. And when we come up with the list, we always, like, for instance, this list, like we said, we had like 38 choices for a top 20. So uh, a lot of stuff got cut. (laughs) Yeah. You
2: have a pretty significant uh, honorable mention section here. I will say the, the sort of, I don't know that there's necessarily rules Um, I do caution with any time we create a list of anything, it's our personal preference. Your taste will vary. There are going to be some things that we didn't hear or didn't care for that you adored, and that's totally fine, so don't worry about it. But do feel free to introduce us to those kind of things. We've mentioned before that we're not that much into the heavier, heavier end of things, but you will see some the stuff that varies more. The reggae direction, more the blues rock direction, more in the hip-hop kind of style. It does... There is some diversity, and so uh, some stuff is just weird. I see one particular one that I'm going to mention at some point that's just just weird. <laughs> and
1: <laughs> yeah, there's you know, and I will say that there's definitely been some bands that have made our list that were introduced to us by fans. Baroness comes to mind, and, and uh, yep. so yeah, if you guys have band suggestions for us to listen to, we're always uh, willing to take our fan suggestions and, and try to imply imp- and implement them into our show.
2: Please hit us up. We love listener suggestions on stuff. The more stuff we can be introduced to, the richer our musical lives are.
1: Unless it's your own band, then I don't know if I want to hear that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> it's not a slam on your own band. It I'm is just, just out there. what we've gotten. <laughs> what we've gotten in the past is, a, um, as we did the show, was a lot of local solicitations that were just not not good. And so,
1: and that's the thing is like we never wanted to take local suggestions because I don't want to be the guy to tell you your band sucks. I mean, I will, but I don't want to be the guy.
0: Right? <laughs> we don't. We don't want to be subscribers of the the quote "your favorite band sucks."
2: <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. We're not dream crushers on purpose. <laughs> We're to promote good music rather than to shout down bad music.
1: But, so. Uh, one of the things that I think me and Casey have kind of perfected, like I said, in the last two years is we've kind of been bringing our lists. We make them separately and then we'll bring them to the show and kind of discuss it. But we've almost put like a point system to, to how we organize them. So like, you know, if, if I have something like number one, then we assign like five points. And, and actually that's how we did use your input last time, Aaron, is that we, oh, you nice. know, we did assign a couple more points to those particular bands that you suggested. So that's might be why, you notice that your uh, your suggestions are on the list.
2: <laughs> it's it's good to be considered, even though even though I had kind of a faint relationship with the show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and I wish that we would have done that a lot a lot of the years previously than just like the last two, because I think that really helped make us. You know, like it's what me and Casey have kind of become on the the same wavelength as to our preferences. Honestly, I think it's just because we've been doing the show for so long now Yeah, we, we know each other so well, but. um There's been years in the past where like, you know, I've had a band like number 10 or even higher. And you're like, no, I think that's like a top five album or something.
2: (laughs) And so that's that's kind of why we implemented like the point system. That's where the democracy comes in. The itch actually believes in democracy and works for it on our show.
1: Yes. Votes matter of any kind.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and like for this year in particular, there's some bands on this 2019 list where any other year. It would probably make the the top fifteen. Yeah, and that's actually what
1: I was getting ready to say. So, a lot of the reasons why bands don't make the list and and they become honorable mentions is because it's not that their album was bad by any means. Like the last six albums that we have on our honorable mentions are are, are phenomenal albums, but it's just in comparison. Like what we'd like to do is in comparison to other albums that that came out that year, or even in comparison to other bands previous albums themselves so like if a band had a great album prior and the next album was not that great well it didn't probably make it as high on our list
0: as the previous album did a good example of that would be highly suspect in their album mcid
1: yeah because i agree with that because there that probably that album probably had one of our favorite singles for the entire year but it it did not make
0: our list because the album as a whole was just not as good as the previous album yes they changed their sound from the previous album to the next they had a lot more uh guitar riffs on on their album previous and on this particular one they they went a lot heavier on the rap uh portion of their songs
2: okay because i remember um what was the one before that the boy who died wolf yes yes and, and My Name is Human, the big single off of that one.
0: Yep. Yeah, that was my favorite, favorite song.
2: Yeah, you guys, you guys were were all about that album a few years ago. I remember. Yeah, I remember he- not just hearing about it, but that was like one of the big ones that you talked the most about. So I'm kind of uh, I was kind of intrigued to see that that MCID, which I just looked up and found out that it means my crew is dope.
1: <laughs> they, they love their acronyms highly suspect loves their acronym there's no <laughs> doubt about it
2: which, so I was, but I was surprised to find that it didn't make the list after how good the album before that was so that was kind of intriguing to me
1: and like I said it did have our favorite sing- or probably one of our favorite singles of all the whole year which was 16 yeah track 2 on that album
2: we haven't started making top singles of the year but maybe we'll think about that <laughs> That's not a terrible idea we
1: kind of did with my uh, Excel spreadsheet list. We just tracked <laughs> out how, how often we would play a song throughout the year. And, and those typically were considered our top singles.
0: <laughs> the biggest one being Black Honey of Thrice.
1: Yes, that still
2: is like the top single
1: of the
0: show, to be honest. You guys loved, which was funny because
2: Thrice was never a band that we played very much of. But you guys loved playing some Black Honey.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: They've been around for like 15, 20 years or something. And they're like, this is <laughs> the, where they broke through. The Sometimes it just takes a minute to get there.
1: <laughs> well, and there was some other really awesome honorable mentions, too, that it was kind of the same thing, like Volbeat, Rewind, Replay, Rebound. That wasn't necessarily a bad album, but just in comparison to the previous three albums, I thought that it was just not as good.
2: I'm totally on board with that analysis. I, I got into Volbeat a f- couple years ago, and I'm pretty sure I remember messaging you guys about that. Is there a band y'all had been playing for a while, but I never really paid attention to. And then finally I started paying attention. I was like, I really like this. This is a lot of fun. And when rewind came out, I felt like it was, um, how's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Like paint by numbers. Is that, (laughs) it was like, it was like they knew how to make Volbeat songs. And that's what that album was full of it. But it's, but yeah, like Dan just said, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as the few that came before it because it felt more formula. You had you know a couple of your like heavier, really energetic, like punky ones. You had a couple guest vocalists. You had some kind of hokey ballads. They had their system figured out, and it became a little less enjoyable. But again, some of those songs, for what they were, were still a lot of fun themselves.
1: Yeah, and you know Volbeat's a band that I have you know really liked because they're they remind me a lot of Metallica. They're obviously heavily influenced by Metallica. But they always had like fast guitars, you know, uh, just heavy songs and like the heaviest song off of the rewind replay rebound was was the everlasting it was like only the only song really that was, mm. was heavy and so that was kind of my issue with it is that yeah there were some fun songs like i absolutely love sorry sack of bones but
2: that was a great song all
1: you know the whole album itself was just it just didn't live up to my anticipation maybe i had high hopes i don't know but um it just it just didn't live up to it it wasn't it wasn't as good as,
2: as the previous albums so that's two of those that you can say that about in a row with Highly Suspect as well. And then we had a couple of, uh, I guess, yeah, I'd call them more up and comers on there for sure. Yeah. Because uh, other honorable mentions went to Bad Wolves and Fire From the Gods. Which both those artists, that was their sophomore release.
1: American Sun from Fire From the Gods uh, was their sophomore release, which we didn't even know about. I don't even know how we came about finding this band, but. That album was fantastic, and I still listen to the crap out of that album this year, but it just in comparison to everything else that came out that year, as good as we felt that album I and honestly I, if we did that list this year, I probably would push for that to be on the list somewhere, but I was thinking that too actually yeah, just I think what it was is at the time it was they were they were fairly new when we were putting this list together, and we didn't really well, I'm pretty sure that album
0: came out towards the end of the year, at least yes, we got a hold of it towards the end of the year. That's exactly what I was going to say. They fell victim of their album coming out in like November. So or like towards the end of the year. And we didn't discover them until slightly after that. So it's true. Yeah. These albums that came out in October, November, we don't get as
2: much time for because we are going calendar year style. Yeah. But uh, I will say that um, Fire from the Gods is one of the bands on this list that I'm most intrigued to see what happens next with them. Definitely. Yeah,
1: because well, if you because I actually this year I picked up their first album, which is called Narrative Retold, and American Sun is definitely kind of an evolution album for them. Fire from the Gods' uh, first album was much heavier. Uh, it was it was more metally, and I think that, and I know that's probably not a good word, but whatever. <laughs> um, but I think that I love it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> metally. Let's, um, let's
2: use it more often. <laughs> yeah.
1: But. I think that American Sun really kind of infused a lot of other sounds like a little bit of reggae, a little bit of uh, hip hop with metal. And I just that's why I really did like that album. But like you said, it came out so late in the year that we didn't really get into it until this list was already a thing.
2: So high hopes for them in the future. What about Bad Wolves? Would you guys say something similar about them? They're a band that seems to be kind of on the rise as well. I thought that second album nation
1: was fantastic. It was so much better than their first album. Yeah. And I will say I, I didn't give bad wolves a, a much of a chance when they first came out, because I am not a fan of bands that make it big off of cover songs. Uh-huh. I just, I don't, I don't agree with like, so they did a great cover of zombie. Not that they really did much with it, but like that was their first single. That was a, like, many people's introductions to them and i i can't stand that i hate when bands try to get big off of other people's songs It's like come on come up with your own stuff well then they (laughs) came out with this album nation it's actually it's an acronym i don't even i'm sure that you can find the acronym names soon enough aaron but maybe um, when the wheel stops spinning on my computer there you go but this album was almost 20 times better than their first album I, i think I know that they were probably going for a little bit more commercial success, but they still managed to to remain heavy uh, and have, you know, that metal sound that they, that they were going for in their first album and then just make it a little bit more mainstream to where people like myself would like it. Somebody want to say something about one of the other ones there? Well, Starset with their album divisions was good, but I think it was kind of the same thing with, uh, as volbeat is like starset divisions was good but it was nowhere near as good as their previous albums
0: well and starset's a band where they every one of their albums is a story essentially yeah and the songs from each album kind of dictate the value of the album as a whole i think so divisions had some really really great songs but just as an entire album it wasn't very strong so because all the other albums on the list were strong, that's why it didn't make the list.
1: And they really drove my OCD nuts, because everything on this album
2: is all caps. Jerks. <laughs> Head P.E. did that one on Stampede. Yeah. Which, spoiler, we'll get to a little bit later. <laughs> and also, not spoiler, but you should check out the recent episode we did on their most recent album. Starset's not a band that I have spent significant time listening to each release of usually when they come out with an album I kind of give it a little little whirl real briefly i'll say that my experience so far and and again limited is that they have their own sound and it's an interesting sound but it seems that they don't change it up too much from album to album and so i feel like they're a sort of a little goes a long way kind of band
0: well that's that's because they kind of fall along lines of the Coheed and Cambria where it's it's like story, like the whole concept of the album is a story because it's like half the band's in spacesuits and the other guy has a skinny tie on.
1: (laughs) Well, and they're part of the
2: Star Set Society, right?
0: Yes. What is that? Do I want to know what that is?
2: Yeah, probably. (laughs) The Starset
1: Society exists to shed light upon various emerging near-future technologies, investigating the potential inevitable social, economic, political, and philosophical impacts thereof. Uh,
2: what? That is the mission of the Starset Society. It sounds like the Starset Society, and maybe we'll look into this more, and if you're a Starset fan, you can fill us in. It sounds like that is the mythology of the band. That's
1: exactly what I was going to say, actually, and that's because that's the other things that uh, a lot of the websites have said that they basically have kind of created this own back, like backstory behind their band just to play off of. I love when bands do that. Kind of like you said, with Coheed and Cambria.
2: I love that. So maybe someday we'll do an episode on the whole Star Set Society and run through some of their stories or something. I don't know. (laughs) Sounds like it could be fun to read into later on.
0: Well, and I will say that seeing them live is pretty incredible, at least the last time we saw them a couple of years ago. When did you guys see them? Who were they with? Oh, um,
2: man. I don't know. Hailstorm. Um,
1: Hailstorm, you're right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, they were with Hailstorm in uh, The Pretty Reckless, weren't they?
0: Yes. That does sound like a fun one. So seeing everybody come out in spacesuits, uh, most, most of the band, was kind of interesting.
2: <laughs> we got one more... Um... got one more honorable mention here. Speaking of live performances, this is a band that ranks very high to me among these bands on this list of ones I would want to see live and haven't yet, and they're called The Heavy. They came out with an album last year called Sons.
1: And that's another album that probably would have made it onto this list if I had more time to listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I think that 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 album did come out earlier in the year. I, I know that. Yeah, but It was an album that I didn't really get turned on to until you visited the show.
2: Yeah, I think that was one of the ones that went the other way that I gave you guys. I agree. They've had really good singles, especially for quite some time now. They're a band that I've always kind of thought should be bigger than they are because they have this cool sound that's a combination of like alternative rock and like some blues rock and sort of like some R&B. Yeah, 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 yeah. So their name is the heavy. They aren't compared to a lot of what we play actually that heavy, although occasionally they do have a pretty nice riff in there. And um, I just find them very enjoyable with this kind of soul, kind of almost James Brownie situation going on in there. It's a very different sound than most of what we play. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. That's why I say they would be a great one to see live. Yeah. So when shows show up again, I hope that the heavy performs one that we can go to. (laughs) Alright, you ready to move on to the actual top twenty here? I'm thinking yeah. honestly, we've talked yeah. for twenty five minutes or something like that already. Yeah. Yep, yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. All right. So number twenty, the band that as always took forever in between albums.
1: <laughs> and took forever to listen to this album, too. <laughs> <laughs> and took forever it's, to listen to this. It is one it. of the longest damn albums ever. Oh my god. It was only like nine tracks. No, yes. <laughs> no, I think it
2: is. Uh, it's it's not that long. It's it, it's uh hold on. And that <laughs> this album is oh, it's insane. So the album we're talking about here is Tool's Fear Inoculum, which is their fifth full studio album in the 30 years that they have existed <laughs> technically as a band.
0: And so <laughs> that's special. And the main reason why they made it on the 11 to 20 list is that we can only play one track from it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> if the, we played Tool well, for flavor of the week, that would be a full hour. We didn't even
0: we didn't even do them for flavor of the week. We just we just gave <laughs> you the whole album each week, one song. <laughs>
1: it was so long. Every single song. I mean, it was good, but yeah, we did. That's exactly for like ten weeks straight, or not ten weeks because there's not there's not ten actual like, songs like five weeks this.
0: straight. Yeah, for five weeks. The the shortest track. On the album, that's not the instrumental, quote, unquote. Quote, is, just, just
2: Can I point out just the instrumental is track six out of seven on the physical version, and it's called Chocolate Chip Trip. Yeah. There's a couple
1: of instrumental songs. There's, on that there's a couple of them. And
2: that's fun. On the digital version, there's two different versions of it. And that's where we can talk about how long it is. But sorry, I interrupted.
0: But the the shortest song is 10 minutes and five seconds.
2: Yeah, yeah. A full composition. <laughs> this album, depending on which version you're listening to, ranges ranges from 78 to 86 minutes long. Well, and what's funny is the my
1: favorite thing about this was we made jokes when their previous album came out, which was called Ten Thousand Days, that it was going to take them ten thousand days to make another one, and we were, <laughs> halfway right. we we're halfway <laughs> right. We're halfway right. <laughs> and we calculate the math; it was 13 years between albums for sure, uh, and. It would be 27 years for 10 for 10,000 days. But yes, yeah, so
2: we're about halfway right. was <laughs> halfway right. Oh, these guys. I'll be honest. I've not never been that much of a tool fan. To me, they went too much into the trippy. Like they're still listed sort of as a a progressive like metal band. I didn't even really feel where the metal was, to be honest, for hardly any of this.
0: Yeah, Maybe it was just me, but no, I hear you.
2: Yeah, I don't and
1: honestly i've never thought of them as a metal band I, i've i don't know like my my i've always compared them to like modern day pink floyd they're a very artsy type of band and i think this was like the almost like the pinnacle of that because i don't know for, i need to check my sources but i thought this was their first independent
0: release i think you're correct on that because that was another reason why it took it took a while to make cuz they wanted to free themselves of
1: well, and the other thing that took a while was they also got sued. Yes. Because they they always try to have very unique art on their cover and in their book. And this was actually like another kind of pinnacle because they released like a, a digital C D cover that cost like fifty bucks. So they got sued by the artists who originally uh did the artwork and so they had to pretty much redo the entire artwork for the entire
0: album. Sidebar to the tool album Furinoculum that is hilarious for 2019 is that it knocked off Taylor Swift's album and it made all the Swifties uh, very uh, unhappy. Oh, it was
1: <laughs> glorious. Oh my God. There were so many uh, tweet tweets about who is this tool band? We need to get the Twi- Swifties. We need to get them off the number one chart. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is tool? Who is, who is this tool?
2: tool? Yeah, that's something else. Let me just tell you the power that Taylor Swift has. <laughs> that your fans think it's a big deal that your album is on the chart is number one or whatever. They're like, we have to do this for her. Make her the highest selling. Like, whoa, okay.
0: And then it was funny because then you'd have you know people our age and older commenting, and then <laughs> they'd they'd comment, whatever. You're you're thirty. Yeah, (laughs) which is a stupid insult by the way
2: okay yep hard times controlling how old you are it's a tough one (laughs) nothing wrong with being 30 anyway (laughs) getting back to why this was
1: number 20 though is like we felt it was a great album that's why we played you know uh, every song that we could play on the show throughout the show like it took us five to six weeks to play them all because they were so long like I don't know like I I liked it but they're on borderline of just too long.
0: Yeah. That's what
2: I'm saying. We don't play radio edits, but if we did, this is the first band that we would find some for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, it's just, you know, they're, like I said, they like to be artsy and I get that. And, you know, I think that this was kind of just them not having somebody telling them what to do and what type of songs to put out because they weren't really concerned about radio singles because let's face it. Radio is a dying medium as we all know.
2: Yeah. And nobody's playing your, your tool songs on the radio anymore anyway, except for exactly the older ones. And
1: the other thing is too, is like right before this album came out, it was the first time that they had released all their albums digitally. And so it kind of, I think that kind of helped build up. And that's one reason why this album probably knocked off uh, Taylor Swift's album, but
2: (laughs) (laughs) it was a savvy business move to finally get in on the digital, like streaming stuff.
1: Yeah. They fought it for years.
2: Yeah. They were very, very late to the game on purpose. And they finally decided to do it not too long before this album was released. And so they were already fresh in people's minds because people were like, oh, yeah, we can listen to Tool on this and that now. And now you can listen to Fear Inoculum. But we listened to it a little bit. And so it made number 20.
1: And it, like the last couple of things that Keenan's done has just been weird. Um, like the Perfect Circle album that came out prior to this Tool album. It's just it's just been weird. it's. it's that's, he does that's what he one wants. Reason, Yeah, that's one reason why I think it was at 20s because it was just so it was good, but it was weird. It was weird Maynard album.
2: and Les Claypool they do what they want, and they are <laughs> strange birds. Yeah, super strange birds. Can I uh, can I reveal the next two together because I think it's great how far apart they are in sound? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go for it. All right, number 19 was Korn with their album The Nothing, and number 18 was the Dirty Heads with their album Super Moon. And we liked those albums for probably quite different reasons. Yeah,
1: well, you know, the corn album was great. I, I think that it was probably one of their. I mean, since kind of coming back, they they've put some some really good albums together. Um, I say coming back, but like kind of reuniting and and uh, becoming corn again. But they had I that dark period. Yeah, I did not <laughs> think it was. I did not like this album as much as the previous album, which is Serenity of Suffering. Um, And one thing that really kind of hung me and Casey both up is that every single song on this
0: album needed to be edited so much that it was just we just didn't play that much of it. That's exactly what my note on the album was, is it's solid, but too many cuss words to edit to move higher. Yeah. Also discussed in the Head P.E. episode.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. We kind of <laughs> talked about that last week. I mean, there was just there were great songs, but they weren't worth our time in editing. And so that's exactly why I was at number nine at 19. And, uh, you know, we're typically big Corn fans, but it just the curse words kind of overtook how good the album was. And it's not like Korn to sit there
2: and just curse like every other word, too. It was weird. Right. Jonathan Davis was mad. <laughs> <laughs> He's always mad about something. You know what he needed to calm him down a little bit was probably a Dirty Heads album. (laughs) And I agree with that, but not this album, not
1: this Dirty Heads album. (laughs) It's number 18. We don't like it. No, not that we didn't like it. It's kind of the (laughs) same thing. It's like in comparison to especially like their previous three albums, it just was nowhere near as good as those albums. It was a good album. It had it was a different sound for Dirty Heads. It was kind of a jazzy sound almost, not like a really reggae kind of uh, hip, pop album it was really jazzy it was
2: that's like that's the best way to describe yeah. it yeah uh, this imagine also to to that one more i could i feel like i could appreciate that but i won't know until i hear it it's different it was really really different
1: and so that's why it was number 18 because most of the dirty head albums have been top 10 uh swim team was really really high up there uh sound, sound of change was one of my favorite albums there's i'm pretty sure that was really high up there too so it just it just kind of fell by the wayside because it was just I mean, it was decent, but it was just not what I expected at all from them. Yeah. And so then you go right opposite of that, kind of back to where we were with corn. And number 17 was Slipknot with We Are Not Your Kind. And that that uh
2: can I just say something here? Yeah. <laughs> um Would you have guessed in like 1999? that of all the bands that came out in that heavier style, that Slipknot would be the one to like survive and become a big deal, like a perpetually big deal.
1: I I think that after, uh, I kind of, because they had, after they put out their first album, they had two albums that were kind of mainstream, especially as seen by their fans. I know that a lot of fans love Iowa, but there were really kind of a lot, a lot of, uh, mainstream song, uh, songs on there and duality was like their epitome of mainstream and a lot of their fans kind of almost shunned them mm. uh, and that was right around the time he was starting to work with uh, his side project too and and just a lot of Slipknot fans felt that their sound was kind of merging the sound from uh Stone Sour as well as Slipknot but I think that this this Slipknot album he they definitely got back to being Slipknot and I think that I think that one of their albums that got them back in the spotlight was all hope is gone. They had one of the biggest singles off their psychosocial. And I love that. song. I remember playing it on rock band and, and just hearing it everywhere. And, and uh, the album was pretty good too. I mean, it had some really good singles like dead memories and, and uh, sulfur. But uh, yeah, I think that was one that kind of pushed them back into the spotlight after their fans shunned them. And, and this album was, was almost a,
2: A rebirth? or
1: Yes. Yeah. And so I felt like We Are Not Your Kind is kind of a rebirth and and getting back to that original
0: Slipknot sound that they became known for. Not only that, but a lot of the the songs on the album are just fantastic. I mean, you have Unsainted, Neo Forte, Spiders, Birth of the Cruel, and Critical Darling. Just examples of the greatness of the album. And... Unlike the corn album, I think I only needed to make like two edits on the whole album. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. surprising.
2: <laughs> I mean, I mean, we, we've we've heard that new uh, Corey Taylor song. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and so, but I think that's just, I don't know. Their longevity is just like like I said. I was surprised that they that they have lasted and thrived because they felt like such a gimmick at first. And you even had so many other bands that had a similar gimmick to them. And not all of those ones thrived as much or lasted as long. But here we are 20 years later after their self-titled debut album came out. And they're still a big deal when they release something. And Corey is still a big deal when he does just about anything. And he's done a million things at this point. And so maybe, and and it's not just him either. They're they're a, a large band and a collective band and things have been written and spoken everywhere about the various contributions of other members that have come and gone. And so, I don't know, they, like, they surprised me with their their ability to, to still be relevant. I will say that career.
1: one thing that has always worked in their favor is that they have an amazing stage show. Even when I haven't really liked some of their albums, like I will always go see them live because they always put on a damn good show. I believe it. Like the drummer is one of the best in the business. And I remember the first time I actually got to see them was with uh, it was called the Pledge of Allegiance tour. And it was with System of a Down. And Slipknot headlined, and the drummer's name is Joey. Uh, and he has, it was kind of like a, a Tommy Lee sort of drum set to where it was on a platform, the platform raised up, and then it like leaned forward. So he was like facing the ground playing the drums, and then it started spinning him. So he was literally facing the, drou- the ground, and then it would spin him up to the roof, and he was looking at the roof, like playing the drums basically horizontally. It was insane. And he was just he's been a phenomenal drummer. He's been a great stageman. And they also have their two goofy drummers that just like jump on the drums that are always <laughs> entertaining to watch, too.
2: There, There's a dude that's part of the band now uh, in that capacity called Tortilla Man. I just <laughs> want to know that. Nice. I really hope that his mask is a giant tortilla chip. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't, like don't think like an avocado. That. I'm pretty sure it's a clown. Is he a clown? OK.
1: Yeah, I think if he's one of the, the side drummers, he's most likely clown. <laughs> <laughs> but they always oh, yeah. change their masks every album too
2: yeah they've got their thing and they've done it
1: and you know speaking of bands that have been around for a long time that you wouldn't expect them to have
2: staying power number 16 was buck cherry with war paint <laughs> that's true we've got a whole series of bands that have had some serious staying power coming up yeah in this list buck cherry is among them i'm gonna let you guys lead that one because i think buck cherry sucks <laughs> and, and i always have and i don't think that's going to change and but you guys do let not me, so
0: let me let me let me follow up that by saying i somewhat agree with you but mostly because of their lead vocalist josh todd josh todd is a tool <laughs> <laughs> because the okay. the band themselves if you see them live they perform incredibly but josh todd is so drug infested drug infested <laughs> The drugs are the living in him. That's that's harsh right there.
1: I, I don't know the guy personally. I've never met him. I just, from his, from every time I've seen him live in his interactions that I've heard about, he just seems like a tool. Like, he's just out there to just
0: live it up. I can tell you an exact story. <laughs> Do it. So I saw them once at the family arena. and Which they are not family friendly. Though, no, they are not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a misnomer, that family arena. Yes. And he went on a rant and whenever he goes on a rant, he has a really high pitch phone. (laughs) And so he's, he says, Daniel Tosh thinks I'm gay. I'm not gay. (laughs) And it's like, what are you talking about? Just sing your damn song.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's only so much I can take sometimes of artists that take
0: their shirt off every damn show. Especially when he's rail thin.
1: Yeah, it's so them as a live band. Yes, I'll agree with you. I don't like seeing them live. I really like their music though, and I have liked them since they came out. I mean, they are out there. There's no doubt about it. But this album, War Paint, blew us away with how good it was, and I think it was because it, we weren't anticipating this being that great at all. You know, their last couple albums have just been meh, and uh, you know, we uh, there's a couple songs on this on this album that was just fantastic. Like the vacuum bent, uh, the title track war paint. And I think, you know, I was gonna say, I think you're going to talk about the, the cover song, right?
0: Yes. I was going to say, including their cover song of nine inch nails, head like a hole, which they pulled off beautifully.
1: Yeah. It it didn't sound anything like the original. They kind of took it. I mean, it obviously it sounded a little bit like the original, but they took it and they made it their own, which is one of the things that we absolutely love about cover songs or when bands make good cover songs. Anyway,
2: which is why Weezer's Teal album was a low honorable mention. <laughs> yeah, They did the opposite of that. And there's was the whole album. A whole album. album of faithful, boring covers. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: I say is probably the biggest Weezer fan on the show. <laughs> but I'm an honest Weezer fan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but with this Buck Cherry Warpaint album, like I said, it was just, I think that because. It was so much better than what we were expecting, and we didn't really have high expectations to begin with. That's the reason why it made it number sixteen on our list. That's what you know we we pushed it up there, and, and it did beat a couple of those other bands that like Corn and Tool that probably, you know, most fans won't wouldn't agree with. But we felt that it was it was up there because of how many good tracks
2: there were throughout the entire album. And speaking of uh, again with uh, bands with longevity, number fifteen. We probably don't need to go into super depth about these guys because we just did an episode <laughs> about them and spoke quite a bit about 311's Voyager, another addition to their ever-expanding catalog.
0: But on on Voyager, they did tell a really good story about positivity and getting out of dark times kind of thing. I
2: like that our list kind of alternates. You had like Korn's Depression versus like the Dirty Heads' Chillness. <laughs> you had like Buck Cherry's like Drug Addled Wildness versus 311's like Unity and... There's just a lot of themes going on in different places throughout all this.
1: <laughs> but I think that this this 311 album probably would have made it much higher had like half the album been as good as the other half. The album. <laughs> like, exactly. album. am not even one to you. Yeah, there are some there's some songs on here that are phenomenal, like Born to Live, Dodging Raindrops, uh, Good Feeling. Stainless is probably one of the best 311 songs that they put out in a long time. But there's also the songs that are just meh, like <laughs> Dream State. What the like, you know, better space. <laughs> it just it could have done better. Like, I feel I felt like they were like, you know, we have so many good tracks. Let's just phone in the rest of the record.
2: <laughs> I mentioned this in the 311 episode, but I, I think that that's 311's M.O. And that's what keeps I still am a huge fan. I've been listening to them a lot even since we recorded that episode. But I think that what keeps them from being even better is that they're comfortable putting out quite a bit of what they record, whether It's the best or not. And so you have a lot of pretty uneven albums, whereas because they want to produce things and they want to keep on moving and they want to give stuff to their fans. And so I think that their uh, quality control lacks a little bit, whereas a band that was, you know, more perfectionist doing things at their own casual tool like pace would probably have like far fewer albums, but they would probably be a little bit better each.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that.
2: So it's not, even like I said, as I said in the 311 out uh, episode, not necessarily a problem or a flaw. It's just the way that they do. And so it's who they are at this point. So
1: before we go any further, I just kind of want to recap because, you know, not everybody might not be able to keep track of how far we've come along. So our number 20 was Tool with Fear Inoculum. Our number 19 was Corn the Nothing. Number 18 was Dirty Heads with Supermoon. 17 was Slipknot with We Are Not Your Kind. Buck Cherry with Warpaint at number sixteen, and as we just stated, number fifteen on our list of 2019 top twenty countdown, as decided by the Itch,
2: was 311's Voyager. And moving on to fourteen, another band that's been around almost as long as 311, very close, um, one that I've always been a proponent of, and that's Jimmy Eat World with an album that perfectly describes what they do, and that's called Surviving. They're a band that has, <laughs> they're a band that has maintained usefulness. When a lot of other bands that came out during that like emo era have completely gone by the wayside, Jimmy at world retains some form of relevance and a substantial fan base, and in my opinion still puts out good albums
0: yeah I mean we and we always played a lot of their songs, but to be honest the the couple albums previous to surviving uh, were not that great, so Dan and I didn't play much off of it
1: yeah, and I think this kind of was along the same lines as the Buck Cherry album is like, we didn't have high expectations for the new Jimmy world surviving album. I didn't really even anticipate playing them for flavor of the week. We didn't think we were going to have enough tracks that we, we liked from it, but it was way better
0: than what we anticipated. And because of that, it made it all the way up to number 14 on our list. Yeah. And I'll be honest. They, they have one of the best singles, as we were mentioning earlier with black honey and thrice. Yeah. And highly suspect. But Congratulations is a fantastic song on that album because they they really rock into it.
2: To Casey's point earlier, we definitely played a lot of j- earlier Jim Eat World tracks well, earlier-ish. We played a lot of stuff on Futures and some stuff from uh, from Bleed American quite a bit back at that time. Damage, I think, is probably their weakest album. Integrity Blues, I thought, was a step in the right direction, but it didn't lend itself quite as well to what we usually play. So I think we kind of passed over it a lot. Surviving, I found to be. It feels less cohesive as an album than most of their albums do, but on a song by song basis, I really enjoyed it. Yes. And by the by, something I'm going to be looking up as soon as we're done recording, there's a Japanese bonus track on Surviving wherein they cover Andrew W.K.'s uh, Party Hard. Nice. Which, <laughs> which is the best wake up alarm song in the history of wake up alarm songs. <laughs> And if you disagree with that, I want to hear all of your suggestions for other ones, because I will use each one and see how it goes when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> we'll have a top 10 wake up song list. That'll be our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dan might be listening to Andrew WK now.
1: No, I, I was thinking about it. But no, I, when you said wake up <laughs> songs, for whatever reason, like. Whenever he said wake up songs, Avenged Sevenfold Nightmare came to mind. And I don't even (laughs) know why. I think because it just slowly builds. And then you're just like, nightmares! Oh my God, I'm awake, I'm awake!
2: And like stuff that is really out of place, like that summer song you mentioned (laughs) about, what was it? like Disturbed something about dying or something. Yeah, that's right. And then (laughs) a wake up alarm about having nightmares. (laughs) Maybe I was having nightmares and I need that song to get me the hell up. I don't know. That's right. <laughs> that does happen sometimes. So pretty strong effort there from from Jimmy World. Probably the highest they've ever shown up on one of our lists. I would suspect.
1: Yeah, uh, I'd Yeah, there's yeah because be, like you said, we haven't played them in years because uh, they just haven't really had music that we felt was relevant, and we've only been doing this list for twelve years or so. So yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. it's probably the only time they've been on the list. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. Number thirteen is a band that. They're a really interesting band to me. This band was actually one of my favorites growing up. But I would say that the band that they are now is completely different, not just in the makeup of members, but in who they are as an identity and their style. And that is Skillet. Their album came out last year called Victorious. I listened to Skillet for their first few albums when they first came out. And they had a their first album came out in 96, I think. And it had a it felt like a leftover from like the grunge era. And then their next couple felt like they were quite electronic. And at some point in like the mid 2000s or early 2000s, I don't remember, they pretty much settled into being this like hard rock symphonic band with some ballads and some female vocals mixed in with with John Cooper. And that's who they've been ever since. And and at that point, the world took a lot more notice of them and my fandom kind of fell away. And so it was like there's like two eras to skillet, in my opinion. (laughs)
1: It's really funny, actually, because I remember that, you know, when we were talking about the list with you the last time or when this was a, a thing last year, you were really surprised that we had skillet so high. But I, I actually love this album because I feel like they
2: know their sound and they just work it like they,
1: they, know they do. It and
2: it works and it works for them. You know, they they've got themselves on soundtracks and video games and and all kind of stuff like they figured out how to have an identity that lasts. And if you ever see them I swear that those guys don't age. Uh, I have to
1: agree with that.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Good at makeup, I think. But man, (laughs) they put on a fun live show. I will for sure say that. Isn't this kind of a band like Fleetwood Mac, where the couple of the members are married? Yeah, uh, John and Corey. Corey is uh, uh, mostly keys, and John is the bassist and vocalist, and um, they kill it up there. They are hardcore, and that's a lot of fun. Corey's been in the band for. Uh, I don't even remember how long I will find out though in a second because
1: yeah, there's two females and two two males in this band, correct?
2: They typically have a female drummer, I believe don't quote me entirely on this oh yeah, yeah they Sorry. Do. I, I can't quote i can they They've had a female drummer for the past twenty years, and uh it was a woman named Lori Peters first, and then currently it's a woman named Jen ledger, and so John Cooper has always been the core of the band, and then his wife Corey, joined the band a few years later. And then they've been, they've had some changes for a while. It felt like they were switching guitarists every album, and uh, then once they started to find their sound, they've they've pretty much stuck with their lineup.
1: Yeah, and I just felt that, like I said, I don't think that this was them understanding their sound. And I I really like what they've become. Unlike you,
2: um. <laughs> it just isn't for me anymore. They have an audience. They're way way bigger now than they were whenever I was a big fan, and so it's so, it's working for them. It so just do doesn't.
0: You- yeah. Do you think they sold out? <laughs> uh,
2: not necessarily.
0: Well, I mean, I. Th- they've just I think, they've just changed so much.
2: I think any band that is, as formulaic as they are, where like you pretty much know exactly what every album is going to sound like. Yeah. I think it's more that they figured out what works for them and how to stay having an audience. And so, you know, that's part of your job as a band. There's artistry and then there's also making a living and they make a heck of a lot better living right now than they did before i'm sure yeah <laughs> so i don't know you could call it selling out i'm not i don't i don't think i would judge them that harshly i just th- they've gone in a direction that wasn't the one that
0: i enjoyed listening to as much well and for me on this list at number 13 starting with this album is when pretty much the entire album is fantastic so
2: which, as we've mentioned plenty of times, means a lot to us. Yeah. It's consistent start to finish albums. Yes. And so
1: with that, I think we should just kind of go right into our next album, number 12. And actually, we had talked about earlier in the podcast about bands being suggested to us by fans. And this is kind of a situation where that was this, you know, that actually was the exact case where we, we probably wouldn't have given this album much of a chance if it wasn't our fans wanting to, or, well, one particular fan, really wanting to hear more songs and because of their suggestions, I actually gave the album another chance. Like I, you know, so number 12 was bring me the horizon and their album called ammo. And we have a fan who's incarcerated, who's been listening to our show for four or five years now. And he's one of the most dedicated fans that we have. And he's a great guy. Um, I don't know what he did, but to get to where he is, but uh, it doesn't matter to me.
2: I just know him as a person now and, really enjoy interacting with him and having him as a listener.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, he can't listen to our podcast, so he won't hear this. But his name is Jay and he's he's a very dedicated fan. He's always made great suggestions and he bring me the horizons, one of his favorite bands. And I'll be quite honest, like if it wasn't for him wanting to hear songs, I wouldn't have played this because their album before called That's the Spirit. We played one song off that album and then we saw them live right after that (laughs) album came out and they were terrible.
2: They were they were awful. Yeah. And so the I put a, a lot of weight into your live performance that can make or break you in can. terms of how interested we are in following up on
0: you. Well, and for this album in particular, they went kind of more electronic. Yes. And they changed up their sound a lot, and it it really worked for them.
1: Yeah. And, and there's so many songs, like you said, you know, there's so many songs that we played off this album at the suggestion of Jay and our own suggestions too. Just because of, you know, his suggestions making me want to listen to more of it and and just really, really getting into the album. But there's so many songs that we played on our show just from this album. And it's a 13 track album.
2: Yeah, I've only heard some of it. I haven't listened to this one all the way through, to be honest. But uh, what I have heard, I'm intrigued by. I would like to hear more. And so that's always a good sign. It's there's so much music out there that it really eventually becomes hard to really catch somebody like quickly. Yeah, it
1: was another one of those situations where like I didn't have expectations for this album because I didn't like their previous album. I didn't like them live. But, you know, the more and more that I listened to it, the more I really got into this this album. And, And that's one reason why it made it as high as it did on our list.
0: And you can say the exact same thing about the next album.
1: Now, the next album, though, like the next album, So number 11 on our list was Judah and the Lion with Pep Talks. And I'll be quite honest. I didn't know much about Judah and the Lion at all. And I'm pretty sure that they're a fairly new band. I think this might have been their sophomore release.
2: They've got three. They've only been around for a little under a decade. So in the brand scheme of things, they definitely are newer.
1: But yeah, I didn't have any expectations for that album whatsoever. And, you know, I think the song that we played for our list kind of just summed up the whole album to me. It's a song called Goofballers. And like, I, I felt like that's what it's kind of what they just did. They had a lot of fun with this album. I think you can kind of tell that it is just a fun album where they're just goofing around. And and it just was really good because of that. And it has some of our favorite songs that we like to play, like whenever, uh, you know, we're in the playoffs. We always love hearing the song called Sports. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're one of the lighter hearted bands that I think that The Itch plays. And they have such a wild style like they switch between you know rock and like bluegrassy folky stuff and yeah some electronicy stuff and uh, i think they're and they rap a little here
0: and there and it's a weird mesh but it works
2: yeah then that's i feel like they probably just go into a studio and just roll with whatever idea comes up like oh hey i'm i happen to be learning the the banjo right now so we're gonna <laughs> have some banjo on this album well they classify <laughs> themselves as
1: indie rock and i think that's very appropriate
2: Indie rock is a very wide umbrella, so it kind of works. Yeah. So there you had it. You know,
1: we've mentioned a lot of our honorable mentions for 2019, and we have also counted down from the numbers 20 down to 11. And just to recap, as I said earlier, we had number 20, Tool Fears Inoculum. Number 19, Corn, The Nothing. Number 18 was Dirty Heads and Supermoon. At 17, we had Slipknot with We Are Not Your Kind. 16 was Buckcherry and Warpaint. 311's Voyager made number 15. Jimmy World rev- reviving themselves with their album Surviving at number 14. Skillet with Victorious at number 13. Bring me the Horizon, a fan suggestion, making it all the way up to number 12 in their album Ammo. And number 11, as we just stated, Judah and the Lion with Pep Talks.
2: So that kind of wraps up our first half of our top 20 countdown 2019. And I I love um listener interaction, and I'm trying to stir that as best possible. So I want to throw out there. You know, before the next episode comes out in which we will discuss albums number 10 through one, I want to hear what people's guesses are. What do you think would make it? You might have some right ones. You might have some wrong ones, some honorable mentions. Is there anything on here that you thought was so good that it deserved to be higher or not worth it at all that maybe one of those honorable mentions should have taken its place? Let's talk about it. Anytime we have a chance to talk about music with people, it's good times.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, not to leave you guys hanging, but that's exactly what we're going to do. (laughs) (laughs) so you've been listening to the itch rock matters my name is dan i'm casey and i am aaron and until next
0: time
2: rock on if you enjoyed what you heard in this episode please subscribe
0: and tell a friend about the show we've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation including the episode's playlist and you can interact with us on twitter facebook or
1: through gmail all at itch rocks i-t-c-h-r-o-c-k-s